Welcome into My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Avari here at the South Point Sportsbook VSIN studio. I'm here with Wes Reynolds, and we have a lot going on here on this Thursday besides the bowling championship that people are lining up to bet behind us. Uh, the Canelo Saunders fight also going on this weekend. Canelo Alvarez will continue his quest to become the first undisputed world super middleweight champion. Wow, that's a mouthful. In boxing history, Saturday night when he faces Billy Joe Saunders at AT&T Stadium. Uh, Canelo's title on the line, obviously, Saunders WBO 168-pound title also on the line. Canelo hasn't lost a fight since dropping a unanimous decision against Floyd Mayweather in 2013. Uh, he's minus 777 on the the money line on DraftKings. Saunders is plus 450. Wes, what do you think of this matchup? Yeah, I, I do think Canelo is going to win the fight, but it's just how am I going to bet this? I'm not going to lay the seven, eight dollars on the money line. He gets no. Billy Joe Saunders, <laughs> 30 and 0. As you said, the WBO super middleweight champions is basically mm -hmm. a unification deal because Canelo has the WBA and the WCB, WBC belts. Uh, Lots of letters. These, these commissions really <laughs> don't matter anymore. He's the top guy at, at 168 pounds, and mm -hmm. he's getting Billy Joe Saunders. Canelo has been actually very active. Mm -hmm. If you go back to December, he had a year off uh, after that Kovalev fight right here at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Beat Callum Smith, unanimous decision, easy win, and then... Uh, round three over uh, the uh, Turkish fighter y Yadilram. I'm trying to pronounce his of name. Course, it didn't really. Yadil. Yeah, it didn't really. It didn't really last very long. So Canelo <laughs> now. This is his third fight since late December, just right before Christmas. So competitive you, fights. You would expect that he's going to be at least in shape. Yeah, and definitely. and that he did you know didn't have any bad carnitas like he had before. Uh, that was a big issue a couple of years ago before the Triple G fight that uh, he had eaten some uh, bad meat, some uh, tampered carnitas, if you will. So, oh man, hopefully he kept that away from it's him. Like the this flu time. game. Yes, it is. And <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders was not there a couple of days ago in Dallas for the face-off because the camp was complaining about the ring being a little bit smaller, which yeah. would actually favor Canelo a little bit because Billy Joe Saunders, it's very much predicated on movement. Space. He is a yeah. southpaw fighter. So those fighters have given Canelo a little bit of trouble in the past where it takes him a little while to figure it out. He, Saunders is a really good boxer, uses mm -hmm. his movement to his advantage, capable guy, but He's never fought anybody this class. He's fought really good fighters, but never to the level of Canelo Alvarez. So Canelo's obviously got the big power advantage, but facing kind of a slick guy that likes to move a little bit. So I think Billy Joe is probably capable of dragging this out to the distance. So if I'm going to bet Canelo, I'm not going to lay the money line. I'm deciding if I want to do it either by a decision, which I've seen kind of out there around plus 150-ish yeah. in the market, basically on average. I think he's like even money to win by knockout. Or if you want to go by knockout and get a little more bang for your buck, mm -hmm. maybe pick him in certain rounds. And I think that this would probably go like round seven through nine. Okay. Seems right to me if he's gonna if he's gonna finish off Billy Joe Saunders. So that's around a plus three fifty four dollars is basically what I've seen so far in the market. So Canelo will win this fight here in Dallas at Jerry World on Saturday. It's just how is he going to do it? Well, you're not the only person who thinks so. Dame Lillard from the Trailblazer also weighed in on Twitter. He said, I think Canelo about to dust Billy Joe off. By the way, Billy Joe, great boxing name. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. And you can bet on this weekend. Also, some news today for the Angels. Uh, they decided to release Albert Pujols. Um, 
future Hall of Famer here. He's in the final year of his 10-year, $253 million contract. You have to love those baseball contracts, my word. According to a source, uh, Pujols was upset he wasn't in the lineup to face Rays left-handed pitcher Ryan Yarbrough last night and that the decision to bench him came from the front office, not from the manager, Joe Maiden, um, or Madden, rather. Will he keep playing? Because obviously the Angels wouldn't just release him. They probably gave him an opportunity maybe to retire and so probably looking to play still? And if so, what team should look at getting him? I would think he is, but Albert is long past his expiration date. He really has not been great over the last several years for the Angels. Really, half of his career was great, and half of it was was not very good, but he's probably going to go to Cooperstown. (laughs) He will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame with over 500 home runs and and the like, and actually 667 home runs to be exact, so he's got Hall of Fame numbers, but I just don't know what he has left. I mean, he can still hit a ball out of the ballpark if you give him a cookie right over the plate, but not very many guys are going to do that here. So this could be the end for King Albert. All right. Stick with us. A lot more to break down right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome in to My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Avari here with Wes Reynolds. We're taking over for Matt Humans all week long. He's been on Follow the Money with JVT in the mornings, uh, but we're more than happy to step in. We got Dwayne Colucci coming up a little bit later on this hour to talk all things NHL, which I'm very excited for. The playoffs coming up for that, as well as the NBA. And at the top of the next hour, of course, we'll have Derek Stevens and Mike Palm at the Circus Studios. Uh, this week, we've been tracking all of the drama surrounding Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Even more coming out today. Some people are getting upset with ESPN's Adam Schefter saying, you know, he was on the Dan Patrick show. Mm -hmm. He asked him, did you break this news on Thursday for a reason? Or did you deliberately decide to do that? Schefter said, you know, it's a story that built up. And yes, he decided to release it on Thursday. So some people saying, you know, he caused this huge storm for the Packers on draft day. Uh, He also added today that the quarterback, I mean, the Packers will be adding quarterbacks for OTAs and training camp, which is expected here. I mean, of course, they're going to add quarterbacks and say only have two right now with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. But just a flurry of drama going on around the Packers and Aaron Rodgers all week long. The Packers win totals off the board for that reason. But they're around 10 and a half or 11 as recently as yesterday. How is this issue going to play out with the information we have? What do you think is going to happen? And is it even worth playing any futures at this point or should we see how things shake out not right now danielle and i believe what adam schefter said was accumulation of information Mm. that just happened to accumulate on draft day so methinks that maybe this was leaked to adam schefter i cannot prove that i'm just i'm we're just all guessing here and just discussing amongst friends but i think maybe somebody from that camp leaked that out to see if they can get the Packers to buy it on a trade. Yeah. And that obviously did not happen in terms of a team putting a package together. So as of right now, I could very much see him sitting out the season if he does not, if he does not want to play and maybe they're not going to want to trade because now it's going to be a standoff because the GM in green Bay said, Hey, we don't want to trade this guy. And I don't believe that they really do because 
they're going to wait for the right deal. If they get the right package, if you're getting a couple first rounders and, and maybe even a player that can contribute to your roster right away at some position, then yeah, you'll go ahead and make that deal. I don't think that they really want to do that in green Bay. So you may be sitting Aaron, seeing Aaron Rodgers sit out. I know we have that Mm -hmm. graphic up of where he will take his next snap. Mm -hmm. You may have to wait another year to find out where that's going to be because he very well could sit out. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is kind of try to draw, draw a line in the sand really here and say, hey, I, I want out here. I don't want to be here anymore. And the backers are going to say, you have a contract. So, you know, you're, you're stuck. So I could, and I think Michael Lombardi brought this up earlier today on Decent on the Lombardi line that there might be a better odds that he sits out rather than he plays. And I'm starting to kind of feel that a little yeah. bit because teams got to be able to put packages together. And now you don't have this year's draft assets oh. now that the draft has come and gone. So the only draft assets you now have are future year picks. So you don't have, it's not like during the middle of the draft, it's like, well, we got a first rounder at number three, like San Francisco did if they wanted to get involved and they weren't all already hell bent or dead set on taking a quarterback there mm-hmm. at number three. So this is going to be a summer long story here in the NFL. We're going to see how, yeah, everything shakes out, obviously. But looking at these teams, do any of them have the assets to trade for Aaron Rodgers? Because what would that even take? What do you think that package would maybe look like? It would be at least a couple first rounders uh, starting from there and then seeing what other future draft picks you can accumulate. And also if there's maybe a player that's going to match in terms of the money, because it's all about making the money work. And you've already seen the Broncos priced in because they were kind of the hot rumor last week. Haven't heard anything Additional mm-hmm. in regards to that so far. So they were the hot rumor. The 49ers, they just drafted a quarterback, a, a young guy, and they have Jimmy Garoppolo, who they, they got to try to see either can they get something for or they just let him walk at the end of the year as a free mm-hmm. agent. So I, it's really hard at this standpoint. And then you add Watson perhaps being out there for Houston when he has more off the field stuff, obviously, than Aaron Rodgers does right now. So who knows how many of these quarterbacks are really going to be available. You usually don't see that this late in the summer. Usually the movement's already been made through the draft, through the free agent market, what have you. So I'm, I'm not really sure who has the package right now to put that together, but I know it's going to at least take a couple first rounders and it's going to be a King's ransom. They're not going to give him away in green Bay. Yeah, I feel like every year we see this quarterback carousel kind of happen, but this year seems like even crazier than any other year before, and it started with that Stafford and Goff trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of the Lions, uh, Frank Ragnow getting his big payday. The Lions have agreed to a four-year, $54 million contract extension with him. That makes him the highest-paid center in the NFL. Uh, He's 24. He's entering his fourth season in the NFL season after being drafted in the first round out of Arkansas in 2018. He started all 45 games he's appeared in and earned his first Pro Bowl berth last season, which included, you may remember this injury from last season, playing through a fractured throat, which I did not know was a thing you could fracture. That seems painful. Yeah. I've never had that. Yeah, so I'm glad they paid him. Uh, Win total for the Lions is five. The over, even money, the under minus 120 on DraftKings. Detroit's had a busy offseason. They had a really strong draft office shakeup in the, you know, the front office, plus all the turmoil in the NFC North. Any value betting on the Lions at all here? Their win total at five? I would probably have to wait to see the order of the schedule, which right. is going to come out next week around this time on May 12th. But 
you mentioned Ragnow. Mm-hmm. The offensive line probably is one of the strongest positions on this Lions team that has a lot of holes. They now have a Pro Bowl center who's uh, making a max deal for that position mm-hmm. pretty much. You add Penny Sewell. And I think that's what Dan Campbell wants to do in Detroit, the new head coach. And he kind of made it clear in his introductory presser when he was announced as the head coach and met the media by Zoom up there in Detroit. He basically said, hey, we want to get tougher and we need to be more physical. And that starts on the offensive and defensive line. And you saw on the defensive side, the uh, Detroit Lions did draft a couple defensive tackles in the draft. So that's what they're going to do, at least be physical at the point of attack. But when you look at what's surrounding Jared Goff right now, they don't really have a standout receiving core. They got kind of a lot of middling guys with Brashad Perryman, Terrell Williams, who used to be here with the Las Vegas Raiders, Quintus Cephas, drafted a couple guys late in the draft, Sage Herat, Javon McKinley. So they don't really have the top drawer receiving core that you're used to seeing. You used to seeing usually have one really great receiver in Detroit, mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson, yep. Herman Moore, Kenny Galladay most recently. So you usually have one top guy, but you don't really have that this year. And the running game was was not very good. So obviously the offensive line, I think why they upgraded that mm-hmm. was because they want to really run the ball but a little bit better. waved running back on Johnson yesterday as well. Yeah, because they have DeAndre Swift. They have Jamal Williams. Uh, Jamar Jefferson is a kid that they had drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, actually, he was a veteran last year. They drafted a couple guys later on or maybe unrestricted free agents, the guys that went undrafted. So... The running back job you would think in Detroit is is going to be open for business, but I'd have to see the schedule, but this right. division is in flux, but Detroit is clearly the worst team in the division. They still have some talent they have to upgrade. I think this is a multiple-year rebuild for these guys. At least their win total's at five. The Texans are around four. I think I've even seen a three and a half, so it could be worse. What are you expecting to see from Jared Goff? You mentioned that they upgraded that offensive line. I feel like he's kind of gotten forgotten in all of this shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and look, he's been at times a very good quarterback, and at mm-hmm. times he's been a very pedestrian quarterback. So yeah. you don't really know. I mean, maybe we've already seen his ceiling. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see kind of the philosophy because Sean McVay is very well thought of as a coach. So. Mm-hmm that maybe that he could scheme Jared Goff to be a little bit better than he is. The offensive coordinator now is Anthony Lynn, the former Chargers head coach. So they have him on staff with Dan Campbell, Mark Brunel, the longtime Jacksonville Jaguar starting quarterback is, uh, is on that offensive staff. Antoine Randall is on that offensive staff as well as Deuce Staley. So they've got, all guys that have played the game and played them at at a high level. So we'll see what they can get out of Jared Goff. I felt at least in the short term, the deal was better for the Rams Mm -hmm. because I just think that there's more around Matt Stafford right now. And the Rams clearly aren't worried about building for the future. They're building for the right here and now. And they have a lot of money tied up in just a few players. So they're going for it. Detroit is in the midst of, I think a multi-year rebuild for sure. I know we've been asking questions all week about division odds. We can take a look at conference odds really quick here. I know some of this also depends on the schedule. I feel like all week we've been asking you to kind of handicap something without a huge piece of information. What's the schedule going to look like? How many away games back to back, et cetera. Uh, But just taking a look at these conference odds and maybe teams to keep an eye on once those schedules do come out. For the AFC, the Chiefs obviously the favorite here at plus 260. The Bills plus 650. The Ravens plus 675. Uh, The Browns are 7 to 1. Those are the four teams, obviously, you would maybe be looking at. The Chiefs, not really enough value there, probably. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to go ahead and take the Chiefs here. Sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes there's a hangover for that Super Bowl loser. Yeah. And they're the rightful favorite, I think, because mm-hmm. they, of course, have a championship and, and, and got to go back. So yeah. I wonder how that's going to work with these guys having that little bit of a hangover. But certainly there's a lot of teams with a lot back. Obviously, that Broncos number has been cut because Aaron Rodgers has been linked to the yeah. Broncos. So you're not going to be able to fool these guys behind the counter. They are much out. <laughs> ahead of the market so don't don't do what everybody did a couple years ago when the Cleveland Browns made all those trades and got Odell Beckham and drafted Baker Mayfield and they just kept betting the Browns and the Browns and the Browns over and over again at bad numbers it's like you've already missed the party I mean you don't want to make a bad bet on a bad number so I wouldn't be betting Denver futures right now because what if they don't get Aaron Rodgers and it's going to be Locke and Bridgewater then they're going to probably be back up in the mid-20s or in the 30s in terms of AFC championship odds, which is what I'm looking at on the screen here. So if I were to look at the AFC in terms of a little bit down the board, now you're going to have to take a gamble here because has Carson Wentz seen his better days or can he be oh, revitalized by okay. Frank Reich? I thought Reich. you were going to go Chargers. Uh, I am not because <laughs> I actually like the Broncos better in that division with or without Aaron Rodgers. Interesting. I actually do because I really like their defense. Now, I'm not going to bet them at 21 to 2 here plus 1050. But the Colts a little bit down the board if Frank Reich can all of a sudden get Carson Wentz right. Now, they need a left tackle, so we'll see where they go there. I think that he's got a lot of weapons around him. He's got a good young receiving core. He's got a good young stable of running backs, good tight ends, a good offensive line, mm-hmm. albeit that left tackle position needs to be addressed. But sure. the Colts could be a possibility. I think the Browns finally this year are going to be expected to be a contender in the They're AFC. They're going to make some noise. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I like the Browns in that division. Really just below the Chiefs in terms of the chalky teams, I would say Buffalo or Cleveland. Buffalo does still have Brian Dabble as the offensive coordinator. I would expect that he's probably going to get a head coaching job next year. He's kind of the hot interview candidate. But yeah. often what you see Like with, the enemy last year? Yeah, often what you see with these coaches, maybe when they finally get their name out there, they're the hot interview candidate, but not quite ready to get the job. Mm. So they go through the cycle, interview around the league, get your name out there, get shake a good reputation, hands. shake some hands, or well, I mean, shake, not this year. shake some babies, kiss some hands, <laughs> you know, how we say. And, uh, uh, and that's what I think Dabble is going to do. He's going to yeah. get a job. I think this Buffalo team, by the way, they, they are set up. They really made an improvement on offense. I think Josh Allen really finally yeah. took that next step that we're kind of waiting for Lamar Jackson to take in Baltimore in yes. terms of proving his passing prowess. We know the he's got a strong arm, but he's got to be a little more accurate, see the field better. We know the guy can run, so that's always going to keep drives alive. But this is kind of the year for Lamar Jackson. If the Ravens are really going to take that step, that's what needs to happen. But Big if I'm going him. down the board, AFC, just to summarize, Indianapolis would be my longer shot, but the Browns and the uh, Bills are the ones that speak to me right now. What about the NFC? Is this even something you can look at with all of the question marks about the Packers? The Bucks, obviously the short shot here, three to one. The Rams are six to one. The Packers, eight to one. Uh, anything jumping out to you here? Even 49ers on here at plus 725. Well, I'm not going to back the Bucks, even though they are the rightful favorite. Sure, really. who wants to bet against Brady? Yeah, and, and they pretty much return everybody, but it's often hard to repeat in this league. Do you have that sense of urgency? you got some guys now on that roster. Well, I got my one. 
I got my one Lombardi. I got my one ring, so I'm happy with that. So sometimes you get guys that are very set and content, and they don't have that sense of urgency and that hunger to go back and do it again, especially after this long season with COVID-19 and yep. no spectators in the stands and constantly having to be tested and basically be in isolation and quarantine. So we shall see here. I do like the Rams. I really love that trade where they got Matthew Stafford. I think they've got a lot of weapons there with Cooper Cup, with Robert Woods, with the tight end Higby, Cam Akers, Henderson in the backfield, very deep, very talented on defense. When you have the best defensive player in all the NFL and Aaron Donald, that's a good place to start. Good secondary Jalen Ramsey back, and they're paying these guys a lot of money, so yeah. now's LA the time money. to produce for the Los Angeles Rams. So I do like the Rams. I think you're probably going to see a rebound season from the Cowboys, but I'm not ready to back them for the NFC championship. I still think they've got some holes on defense. The offensive line wasn't healthy at all last year. And then, of course, Dak coming back from the injury. So there's a little bit of risk there. But my pick right now for the NFC would be the Los Angeles Rams, but a little bit down the board, maybe look at Dallas and perhaps uh, looking uh, down there at New Orleans. What about the Seahawks? Have we written them off as as being one of the top teams in this conference? I just don't know if they have the playmakers. They have a very mm -hmm. fast guy, DK Metcalf, who's uh, very fast. running in the 100-meter uh, <laughs> event here, I, I believe, at the U.S. Championships, and Lockett is fast, but... Russell Wilson has made it known that he wants some improvement on the offensive line. I don't mm -hmm. know if they've really made enough from Trust that I. standpoint. So, uh, look, Seattle's always going to be a contender because simply because they have the best home field advantage in all of the NFL. So that's going to give them value from a betting standpoint. But I just don't know if they've done enough in terms of adding to what they need. All right. Stick with us. We still have a lot more to talk about. We'll go Lakers Clippers next and a little bit of MLB action right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome back into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com. And remember, you can download the free OddsTrader app right now and start winning with the up-to-the-second info you need. Danielle Alvari here on My Guys in the Desert with Wes Reynolds. We were about to talk about the Lakers-Clippers matchup tonight. No LeBron again, ruled out for a second straight game. He's missed 21 games this year with that high right ankle sprain. If the Lakers fall to the play-in tournament and ultimately get a seven or an eight seed, should they still be favored to win the West? I don't know about favored to win the West, but they probably aren't going to drift up very much because the books already have enough liability on these yeah. guys. So they don't want to necessarily. And look, in terms of obviously not an NBA team out here in Las Vegas, but this is a Laker town for all intents and purposes. I see a if lot you, of Laker stuff. Yeah, if, if you go to any sports book here at about uh, 7.30 Pacific time, there's always a crowd to watch the Laker games and people in their gear and their jerseys and whatnot. So, 
you're not going to get value and much of a drift, I think, on the Lakers from this standpoint, even if they are in that play-in round. Do I think they should be the favorite to win the West? Absolutely not, because I think you've got to put some respect with Utah. Now, Denver is going to be without Jamal Murray, and it's like, can they continue this good play into the playoffs with all these injuries? And you do also have Phoenix, who is kind of a greenhorn in this situation, yeah. not used to being up here at the top of the West or currently in second, just a game back of Utah. So Phoenix, even with Chris Paul's leadership, how much is their ceiling here in the West? So everybody's, I think, going to kind of point to the Clippers, who were the big disappointment last year. Mm -hmm. But they're running it back with Paul George and Kawhi and then made a couple different changes with that organization. So everybody's kind of looking at them right now. So that's why you're not seeing the Lakers' odds as long as probably they should be. And you really can't lengthen those odds too much, not only because of the liability, but because you do have some question marks above them. Definitely. Clippers tied for third in the West with the Nuggets, uh, but the Nuggets have the tiebreaker there. Clippers are two and three in their last five games, but they had two non-covers against non-playoff teams, so I believe eight-point favorite tonight. And uh, to, and they're also going for the sweep, so yeah. you got to think maybe some motivation for the Clippers. If you look at the Clippers, they've just kind of been ho-hum, even though they're 44 and 22. Kawhi's been out for 18 games. Paul right. George has missed 16 games. So they've rested these guys to keep them healthy for the playoffs. They've missed a quarter of the season each, mm -hmm. yet they're second in offensive rating, third for net rating, lead the league in three-point percentage, also at the foul line. So they're shooting about 42% as a team from behind the arc. Leonard and George have been good. You have good three-point shooters, Nick Batum, Pat Beverly, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, all above 40%. Right. So... I think this is maybe a, a get right spot. Eight is a lot to lay for the Clippers who have yeah. lost three of their last four, like you mentioned, but they were 17 and three in their last 20 before that streak. So I do think that you've got some motivation here for the Clippers to try to get that season sweep. So lean to that spot, but at eight, it's a little rich for my blood. If it was seven or maybe less, I'd be looking at that. So, but I do think the Clippers certainly have the motivation tonight. Yeah, all these players sitting out, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out in playoffs or these play-ins because are they going to have this chemistry too where they haven't really been mm -hmm. playing together? We've been saying that about the Nets. Uh, the Lakers have had some Anthony Davis, some LeBron, not really together a lot. So And maybe look at the total here too, perhaps to the yeah. under, because the Lakers' defense has still been good, even with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I know that seems absurdly low for the NBA, <laughs> right? But... I think when you got two teams that are motivated, and this is the battle of LA, and especially for the Clippers, their defense can come and go. Yeah. But this might be something where it's like, okay, we're actually going to give an effort and give a damn on defense tonight and try to shut these guys down, whose offense, obviously, without LeBron, even though they have AD back, but you knew when they didn't have those two guys, this offense really had to be carried by the defense. So kind of leaning to the under here at 211, there is some 210 and a half also out there in the market awfully low uh, updating the MLB action that going on right now and also just finished Indians Royals wrapped up Indians with the shutout here four to zero final score Blue Jays A's going on right now the Jays are up five to four through four innings and Braves at Nationals also going on three to one Nationals through the first four innings do you have action on any of these Wes uh, I do I have the over in Toronto so I'm basically just hoping it doesn't rain in Oakland so I can go <laughs> ahead and cash that ticket also have the Braves did lose a couple in the morning though including the Detroit on the plus one and a half that just by the way went final at Fenway 12 to nine Bo Sox over Detroit uh, Boston got four runs in the bottom of the eighth they were trailing nine eight but 
12 to 9, that's going to get you there on the money and run lines. Yeah, well, obviously, we have a lot more MLB to get to. Some stuff you can still bet on for tonight. Diamondbacks at Marlins, Rays at Angels, all of that and more. So stick with us right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome back in. You know that our VEASAN experts are covering every sport on the board this spring to find the best bets every day. And now is a great time to invest in your long-term betting success. We provide all the tools you need to make the most informed bet every time, even if that means telling you when not to make a bet. Our 24-7 video coverage, data and analysis on vcin.com, daily members-only best bet emails, and in-depth coverage of every major event in Point Spread Weekly is designed to improve your sports success year-round so your bankroll lasts longer and you can increase your sports betting IQ. Learn from our experience and put our team to work for you today with our vcin 10-day free trial at vcin.com slash subscribe. This is my guys in the desert, Danielle Avari here with Wes Reynolds. Don't you feel like some of the best bets you've ever made? Uh, are the one, or rather, are the ones you didn't make? Yes, yes. Uh, so. On a, on a daily basis, Danielle, yes. uh, you're talking about our experts covering all the different sports. No stone unturned, no village unpillaged. So cop that at Vison.com. Yes, those are very grateful sometimes for when I get the spinning wheel mm-hmm. out of range. Saved me many times. Let's look at some more MLB action for tonight. Diamondbacks at Marlins. That one at 3:40 p.m. Pacific, so 6:40 Eastern. Bumgarner, last three starts, 3-0, 17 innings pitched, one seven-inning no-hitter. Uh, but the Marlins have outscored the D-backs 17-3 in the first two games of the series. They're starting Pablo Lopez today, 2.34 on the ERA for him. Well, uh, Mad Bum is probably going to need uh, to be very good again without Kettle Marte and Cole Calhoun, who are on the injured list. So D-backs very shorthanded at the dish. Miami Marlins actually going for their first series sweep of the season tonight and sending out who I – really consider their ace Pablo Lopez 234 you mentioned on the ERA a little bit higher on the expert but 339 is very solid uh, Mad Bum when he started the season it looked like okay is this guy done mm-hmm. well now he's won his last three starts and got the no hitter and I'm still going to call it a no hitter even though it was a seven inning game against the Atlanta Braves and then the next time out he got a win over the Rockies who see- can't seem to win on the road they are one of the, arguably the poorest team in Major League Baseball on mm-hmm. the road so Usually after like a no-hitter or a perfect game, we saw one. We were right here in the studio for my guys yesterday when John Means did it for the Baltimore Orioles in Seattle. So usually the next time that pitcher starts, more often than not, you're going to kind of fade them or look to go against them. Mm -hmm. It didn't work last time against Mad Bum, so maybe it's the fade spot after the fade spot here for Uh, the the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they've only scored three runs in their last two games, so – you would think that they're going to that they're going to I mean they really struggle more on the road to hit than they do at home because their home ballpark they average about 1.1 mm-hmm. more runs than they do on the road They've been able to get on base, but they're not very good at getting runners in scoring position. They are 215 actually hitting that in that spot and 26 with the hard contact rate. So you're getting a pitcher in Lopez that limits uh, run or opposing batters really to 208 with runners in sc- scoring position. He's a 
ground ball pitcher, so he'll get a lot of ground ball outs and and not really an overwhelming strikeout guy, but the ground balls will be a flowing, I think, for him with Arizona struggling in terms of their offense and then not having Marte, not having Cole Calhoun. Marlins did score nine runs on Tuesday and then had eight runs last night, so they're finally able to get some runs on the board because they've been struggling offensively, and they're going to stack their lineup against a left-hander like Mad Bum. And Miami's actually hitting lefties really well. 260 on the batting average, 331 on the OBP, 458 uh, slugging percentage. So pretty good stash line against left-handed pitchers. So I do like the Marlins here. Dollar thirty-ish, mid dollar thirty range. So I think they're going to get to bad bum tonight, and maybe this is a good spot to go against them. You mentioned nine runs, eight runs for the Marlins. The pregame total here seven and a half. Is that something you would look at maybe an over here, or it, are you expecting? It seems about right yeah. uh, at at seven and a half. So uh, because I think Pablo Lopez has been a quality pitcher, like you said, with the ERA at two thirty-four and just three thirty-nine on the xFIP. Got, gets a lot of ground ball outs, and maybe the D-backs are going to be taking some quick hacks to try to get this offense going that's only had three runs in the last two days. So I think Miami's going to get the sweep tonight. All right, what about Rays Angels also going on tonight? What is going on with the Angels right now? They're on a four-game losing streak starting Andrew Haney tonight. Uh, he's 1-2, and 5-2-5 two, two, on the ERA. Uh, Rays will have Colin McHugh on the mound. Is this the bounce-back game for the Angels? Uh, I'm not sure of that because Colin McHugh is uh, Michael Walk is on the injured list, by the way. So Colin McHugh has been out with a bad back uh, since April 17th. That was the last time he pitched. So he has pitched this season, but he has not started for the race. So I don't know if this is going to be like an opener. He's kind of struggled ever since uh, coming to Tampa Bay from Houston. If you look at the relief work, he's uh, pitched five and a third inning only and has allowed six earned runs, obviously missed last season with an elbow injury. So he's still seeking that form he had in Houston of three years ago where his ERA was under two and he was striking out a little less than 12 batters per nine innings. Tampa Bay's offense has been very mid-pack, and the the stars of the lineup have not really been very good. Low and uh, a Rosarena. Hey, Rosarena. All right. There you go. Is that, right? is that nice. even a word? Is yes. that, are those the lyrics? Yes. Yes, it is. I Double believe check you got that it. Okay. Low, uh, 193 on the batting average this season. Arazarena, 264, respectable with three home runs, but not what we clearly saw last year and then obviously in the playoffs all the way to the World Series. So... I don't know if this is the spot for the Angels. It seems like a big price, basically, and how they've been struggling. I'm also going to wonder how they're going to react to King Albert mm-hmm. now being sent. Because, look, he has not been performing, but the Angels respect the hell out of Albert Pujols. He yeah. is going to be a Hall of Famer. So all he will of a be sudden, missed in the, in the dugout. Yeah, it's like when you're seeing a Hall of Famer packing up his locker and 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 all of that that's got to that's got to play on you a little bit emotionally so it maybe motivates them or maybe it gets them down in the dumps a little bit so i have not played this game as of yet the angels just have been have been very erratic it seems like this could be the spot against colin McHugh, who has not been in very good form but i think a dollar 40 is a little high so i'm gonna leave this one alone all right maybe i'll look at this one for a no run in the first inning you like to do those yeah what do you think of this game yeah, just looking at the total here, 
Um, it's it, it has been bet to the under, though. It was eight and a half in the yeah. overnight, and now it's at an eight. Now, can Colin McHugh go ahead and do his his due Part, diligence yeah. here on on the other side? Andrew Heaney is going to improve on the basis of his metrics. You would think you were going to get some positive regression. 525 on the ERA, but just three flat on the XFIP. So some positive regression is coming from Andrew Heaney, and that's why I think this is up about 10 cents from the opener, minus 132, and plus Colin McHugh coming back from that injury. All right. I'll take a look at it. I haven't made my no run of the first inning bets any today, but stick with us. Coming up next, we have a lot to talk about in the NHL, a lot of clinching possibilities tonight. We'll have Dwayne Colucci join us. OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com and download the free OddsTrader app right now so you can start winning with the up-to-the-second info you need. We're back on My Guys in the Desert, Danielle Avari, Wes Reynolds, and now joining us, the race and sportsbook director at the Rampart, Dwayne Colucci. Dwayne, how are you doing? Doing good, Danielle. How about you guys over there? Well, we're taking a look at this NHL slate for tonight, and Wes was less than enthused about it, and I can see why. Uh, one clinching scenario, though, the Canadians can clinch the fourth seed in the North Division with a win versus Toronto and a loss by the Canucks who faced the Oilers. Uh, Canadians, Maple Leafs tonight, Canucks at Oilers. What do you think of these matchups, Dwayne? Well, right off the bat, the Canadians, you know, they need to uh, step it up a little, which they have at times against uh, Toronto, but they're coming off a pitiful performance against Ottawa, Danielle, and they definitely have to play better than that. They've uh, brought up their new young superstar, budding superstar, Cole Caulfield, who, uh, you know, everybody is raving about this kid. He scored two overtime goals in two game winners so it's important that Montreal clinches you know get that right out of the way they have enough of a lead to where uh, it's really not going to affect them if they did lose tonight's game but the Jets did clinch last night with a solid performance and you know Montreal wants to follow suit even though Calgary is definitely uh, 10 points behind and it's important because Montreal has some serious injuries Danielle you're talking about Shea Weber Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher. These are just top names and top players for the Canadians. And it's important to go out on a winning note, especially against Toronto, who could be their first-round matchup, and it's looking like their first-round matchup. So that's definitely an intriguing game. Uh, you know, the other games on the slate, we do have a lot, a lot of big favorites that are taking action in parlays at the Rampart and South Point. I mean, you talk about the Islanders in that 250 range, mm -hmm. Bruins, uh, uh, you know, plus two to one, Penguins three to one, you know, they're jockeying for position. And although Buffalo's been playing better, you would expect most of these favorites tonight to come out with a little purpose and uh, sending a message. 
Dwayne, back to Montreal. I know that's your team, and that's a team I actually bet on the futures market. I know a, a lot of sharp hockey handicappers really like this team, so I kind of followed suit here. Been a disappointment so far this season. When are you expecting or when are you reading, seeing that maybe Carey Price is going to be back? I know they have Jake Allen, who they got from the Blues, uh, to kind of take the load off Carey Price, who has really worked heavy in that bubble season uh, for the NHL playoffs last year. When are you expecting Price back? for the playoffs yeah I would expect him back real soon Wes because now Jake Allen is starting to accumulate a lot of minutes and Price has been on the shelf uh, various points of the season and this was the most extended with the concussion protocol so I would expect Harry to be back definitely for the first game of the playoffs then if he's not Wes we have to get concerned that maybe this is more of a lingering and uh, the lower body injury you know I don't know exactly uh, when he's going to come back but I do hear he's on the ice you know he is practicing he did come back for that one uh, game and then you know they put him back on the shelf and it's very important to have him back in the lineup. He is the prominent goaltender in the NHL, definitely top three when he's playing peak. Like you said, last year in the bubble, he was just phenomenal. And it's important to get him back, especially if you're going to have Gallagher out for an extended period, Shea Weber as well, and now even from uh, Laval Rocket. Ryan Pelling, who may have seen some time, he's out for the season now with a serious wrist injury. So the Canadians definitely have to solidify this lineup. They have to get a little more defensive play, especially with Weber on the shelf and Price, and it's important. I'm thinking Carey will be back, though, for that first round against the Maple Leafs. I think it's very important to get him between the pipes, Wes. Now, speaking of the playoffs coming up too, Dwayne, I have a couple futures already. I'm not feeling confident about one of them. My worst one looking right now is the Stars. I also have the Preds and the Hurricanes and the Lightning. Who do you like uh, in terms of the futures? Who do you think will make a run in playoffs? Well, definitely you have some good teams there, Danielle. I wouldn't just put my eggs in that Stars basket. You know, they definitely were a disappointment. They've now lost, I believe it's five in a row, slipping out of the playoff spot. Nashville has surpassed them. Nashville has been playing excellent, uh, you know, but they also fell apart last night. So, you know, you definitely have to keep your eye on the Lightning. They are the defending champs. I mean, they have some injuries, but if they could get Stamkos back and start to play their brand of hockey, they're going to be very difficult. You know, they're still 36 and 14. I think they can make a run. What I'm seeing and feeling, Danielle, is that, you know, everybody is enamored with the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, the Wild because we're here in Las Vegas. But the Eastern Conference and that uh, Canadian division, they're very, very difficult. I mean, when you're talking about the Capitals, the Penguins, the Bruins, and the Islanders, they play that old-fashioned, you know, checking-style, hard-hitting hockey, which you saw the Capitals take it to the Rangers, basically, uh, this whole week. And it's important that the Capitals do get Ovechkin back. Uh, you know, Kuznetsov as well, he's important. Penguins look solid. I mean, Sidney Crosby is playing phenomenal. They could definitely make a run. I think the East is just slightly stronger than the West and the Northern Division. So that's what I'm looking at, Danielle. I think the Lightning and definitely the Penguins and Capitals to make some noise and don't count the Bruins out with that goalie tandem. You know, if you could get Rask and Halak 
and they're both healthy, that just adds to their chances. Dwayne, that's the team I was actually going to ask you about because that's a team I've been following and maybe want to get involved with before the playoffs. I'm still seeing 15-ish to one, maybe a little less than 20 to one on this team, and that's the Boston Bruins who are 10-2 and one since that trade deadline where it's like, okay, Taylor Hall has figured out how to play hockey again now that he's with a contending team and not there in Buffalo, which, which has really been one of the dregs of the league this year. Looking at Boston, not only tonight against the New York Rangers, of course, the Rangers made a lot of changes. They had that the, that revenge spot last night, so to speak, against Washington, where they dropped the gloves fairly often here in the first period. But now the Rangers making changes at the top of the organization. Chris Drury is in. John Davidson and company are out. So Drury going to be the president and GM for this team. I thought they, they had a, a decent season, but they're just, like you said, that East Division just so tough, could never make up any ground. Uh, when you look at these big prices this time of year, are you more apt to just put these in parlays from you personally as a better, or you know these prices are out of whack, and that's the action you're going to see at the Rampart and at the South Point at the counter, and that's just going to drive these dog prices up where it's like, okay, I'm going to take a shot here at like plus 250 with the Rangers. Yeah, you do see a lot of that, Wes. But let me tell you, if the team is jockeying for position in the standings, which several of these teams still have not solidified their position, the games become somewhat important. But you do see the underdogs become inflated. Now you know the Rangers are playing on a back-to-back tonight. The Bruins are very hungry. Hall is playing great. You know, they have Marchant, they have Bergeron, all these great players, Krejci, uh, Pasternak, and you have that goalie tandem. So the Bruins are a very dangerous team because they withstood the injury bug, the COVID bugs, all that, and they're still playing at a good level. So, you know, I don't get enamored with taking these big underdogs unless they're playing, you know, pretty well. I mean, Buffalo has played improved, but you're seeing them plus three to one tonight. So, you know, what I see across the counter, like you said, Wes, is a lot of parlays with the big favorites being tied in. You're seeing a lot of Penguins, Bruins, and Islander parlays, throw in Edmonton. You know, the game that you're seeing, the good two-way action, is the Montreal-Toronto game because that's the game that does mean a lot. And maybe Montreal does want to send a message at a big plus, being that that's the first-round matchup. So from a bookmaker standpoint, this time of the year, they are inflated, the underdogs, but you do see a lot of people parlaying the big favorites as opposed to taking singular games on the underdogs because it's it's been a big drop-off this year, Wes. When you look at the bottom teams, teams like Columbus, teams like the Devils, Buffalo, they never seem to get it going this year. And it's just such a big drop-off from a team like a Boston, like a Tampa, like a Florida at this point that it's hard to figure out when they're going to win one of their 12 or 13 wins to add to that total during the course late in the season. So I definitely think I'm seeing more parlays with the big favorites as opposed to people jumping and trying and spot that underdog spot. Dwayne, I hadn't had a chance to talk to you since the Kentucky Derby over the weekend. We'll have the Preakness, uh, not this weekend, but upcoming. Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert gets it done again. He was talking down that horse all week, and then all of a sudden nobody had anything for Medina Spirit as it wanted about 12-1 to 1 to 15-1 to 1 on Saturday. So now going for the second leg of the Triple Crown, but it looks like some competition maybe from that stable. Concert Tour, another Baffert horse, maybe was, is going to be ready for the Preakness, and 
I just kind of want to get your overall summary of the field. Got about 90 seconds here and your impressions from the Derby and what you take into the Preakness here coming up. Well, what I'm seeing now, Wes, are a lot of defections. Today, Brad Cox said that Mandaloon and uh, Cato River will not be running in the Preakness. Also, you're not going to see elusive, uh, essential quality, excuse me. And, uh, you know, a lot of the favorites and horses that took a lot of money, Rock Your World, they're going to skip the Preakness and focus on possibly beating Medina Spirit or thwarting his attempt to win a Triple Crown. I think Medina Spirit right now, the, we the way the field sets up, definitely has a big chance right now, Wes. So I have to see how many uh, other horses defect, basically. I know Chad, uh, Chad Brown is going to have probably crowded trade in there. He's a solid horse, but, I mean, he couldn't even win the Wood Memorial, and I didn't think that was such an enamoring prep. So when you take out, you know, basically the second, third, and fourth finishers in the Kentucky Derby, and now Medina Spirit is going at it with a barn mate, like you said, a great point in concert for. If he happens to have a good race, he could definitely turn the tables. But right. uh, I have to see the way the field shapes up. I think that Medina Spirit right now has an excellent chance to win the second leg, guys. All right, Dwayne, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, that totally coincides with my strategy. Just bet Bob Baffert's horses, right? It's worked so far. <laughs> yeah. if you've been doing it at the Kentucky Derby and especially on the West Coast as well. A huge thanks to Dwayne for joining us. Stick with us. Hour two of My Guys in the Desert coming up next.